1: and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset.
0: We are three years, one month, and 13 days into 14 days to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson, alongside Bruce Adams and from CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, Melissa. Melissa, we'll start with you. How are you today?
1: I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me back.
0: It is our pleasure. If the podcast is going to be anything like the prep session, I'm really looking forward to it. That was a, that was fantastic. <laughs> Bruce, how are you today? healthy and alive. That's good. Let's hope you stay that way. Where to begin? Shall we start with the... Oh, of course, I get an ad on that. Why, why is it when you open a web page, all of the videos and the ads start playing automatically? I, I've tried and tried and tried to stop that. And it just doesn't work. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of Tucker Carlson being fired. That seems to be the buzz and the rant and the rave of everybody today, especially. Yeah. What do we think? Uh, it was a long time coming. Do we think it was justified, not justified? I mean, the network's lost a billion in the last 12 hours. So do we think it was done on purpose? Did Murdoch give him the boot because he was talking too much? I mean, they fired Bongino last week. So, you know, what What do we think? What do you think? Do Do you think the network's going to die?
1: Oh, not unless they want to die. Well, if, if that's I, I mean, if they're like I we were discussing that uh, Lachlan Murdoch had told his father, oh, you've got to sell Fox now. I mean, if this was something that was in their pipeline, it was planned that way. I don't think this is taking anyone by surprise. And I think that this lawsuit and the outcome was also known probably weeks and weeks, if not months in advance of the actual outcome.
0: I agree with you. Tucker's been doing a lot of, uh, and believe me, I'm not a mainstream media watcher. Uh, I have not been for many, many years. But uh, unfortunately, due to what we do around here, we have to uh, we have to watch it. But uh, I have I've not watched it. But Tucker did some pretty decent stuff, and recently he's been doing some things like uh, kicking a hole in the. Uh, uh, the whole January 6th narrative. As a matter of fact, he got that uh, that that Buffalo man, the Q shaman, got him out of jail because he showed the the footage. And Chuck Schumer called him uh, an extremist inciting violence. Well, because he was showing some footage that contradicts all of your talking points. But I mean, I don't see how that's an extremist causing violence. But hey, who am I? And then, Bruce, you said he did a piece last week
2: on uh, something to do with vaccines. Uh, I wasn't saying that. I think Melissa was saying. That. Oh, what, uh, was he, them, uh, was he I, I think what what to, he, was he, he did a bit of a
1: rant. He did a rant on the 19th, which uh, I didn't see. But I heard that the rant was saying that mainstream media is absolutely. He said, um, well, actually, I had pulled it up earlier when we were talking. He used his platform to rail against, quote, corrupt End quote, news outlets, with Fox News included, who were reluctant to rail against their advertisers in the pharmaceutical industry. Um, Robert F. Kennedy got behind the ra- junior. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. got behind the rant and said Carlson's breathtakingly courageous April 19 monologue broke. TV's two biggest rules. Tucker told the truth about how greedy pharma advertisers controlled TV news content, and he lambasted obsequious newscasters for promoting jabs they knew to be lethal and worthless. For many years, Tucker has had the nation's biggest audience averaging 3.5 million, 10 times the size of CNN. Fox just demonstrated the terrifying power of big pharma. But I always think when I'm watching these things, including the so-called pundits who weigh in, that I'm watching theater. I always go back to I'm watching theater.
0: That is what you get, isn't it? I mean, I used to I used to hear Alan talk about these things. He would always say that it didn't matter which network you watched because they're all the same. And mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if it's, quote, right, left or, or center or whatever you think, or if it's one of the alphabet networks, because all of the formats on all of these shows, no matter which one you watch, they're all the same. And at the end of it, mm-hmm. They have these, you know, little discussions and everything. And at the end of it, you're left with this opinion, and you didn't arrive at it, but it was given to you. And that shapes who you become. That shapes mm-hmm. the the character that you become. And you then parrot that to everyone else. That's terrifying. That is a terrifying thought.
1: It is a terrifying thought. And it's why I'm always, you know, just Get above it and take a look and see who these people are. Someone had just um, sent me a a little message that they had heard that Tucker had admitted um, just before he left. There was a speech that he had admitted that he had applied to work uh, for the CIA before he applied at Fox. Now, that is a piece of information that I had heard before. I didn't bother to check it and see if he'd actually had some kind of a summer internship there or, you know, if it was just a no-go, they didn't want him. I think what I read years ago was that the CIA said, no, we don't want you. But the interesting thing that I have never forgotten about Tucker Carlson is that his father, Dick Carlson was a journalist, a diplomat, a lobbyist. He was the director of the Voice of America. Now, what we know about the Voice of America was that it's state-owned information that was aimed at basically combating the Cold War. So it's a, a very specific kind of propaganda. And he was also the director of the U.S. Information Agency. Now, it has been years since I read... Frances Saunders Stoner's book on the cultural cold war. I might be able to pull that up really quickly, but she takes declassified documents and shows how the CIA was involved for many, many years in starting front businesses in using um, journalist assets And all of this was to combat communism by a very specific spin of showing the relative freedoms that Americans had when you compared it to uh, the rights that people living under the Soviet regime had. but. Anyway, I don't want to get off track there. Tucker comes. No, from- please.
0: I was I was getting quite uh, quite mesmerized with <laughs> that, that. We can talk about it later. That's fine. I, I'm curious about yeah. the book, though. To be honest with you.
1: Well, I'm going to look it up really quickly here and see if I can give you the exact title of that. It's uh, Stoner Saunders. Okay, she is a British journalist and historian. And where is the book, CIA and the Cultural Cold War? This was a 1999 book. It discusses the mid 20th century Central Intelligence Agency efforts to infiltrate and co-opt artistic movements using funds that were mostly channeled through the Congress for Cultural Freedom. Now the the book is fascinating. And when you do, do a little bit of research into the Congress for Cultural Freedom, that's fascinating too. Because it is employing um, symphony conductors and ballerinas and uh, fine artists and so forth, all of I these wonder, were used as assets for the CIA.
0: I wonder: does this include? And I, I'm just, I'm just asking: does this include the National Endowment for the Arts? I'm assuming. I'm just assuming.
1: Well, th- they were in. They were mentioned in the book, and I'm not so sure. I. Can't tell you now if the entire, the like the inception of the National Endowment of the Arts was for this purpose or if it just used key players in there. But it goes on to say that the, the Ford Foundation was behind it. These efforts were to combat the political influence of the Soviet Union and expand American political influence. Um, but what you see is a kind of propaganda aimed at both at American people, that our system is so much better, but it was aimed specifically at anybody who might be swallowing the Kool-Aid of communism. Oh, no, they're not free over here. Here, we're free. But when you get, an, when you get the picture of all of the arts, all of the media, and how they were used for state propaganda, you have to at least ask yourself the question, were Americans free? If all of the information, because the point that you were just making about what Alan said, it is frightening to think how controlled the information that we receive, no matter how diligent we are and try to find it from alternative sources or, you know, fair and balanced. It's it's nigh impossible.
0: It seems that way, doesn't it? It it really does. I try my best. And, you know, as we go back and forth, brainstorming and and throwing theories and and ideas at each other, I honestly, I miss that conversation with people. I I remember that's how it used to be a long time ago, before the inception of 24-hour mass media and before smartphones and everything else. People used to have dialogue. They used to sit down. I, I used I used to see the grown-ups when I was a kid sitting around in, you know, a living room or or a table or something, and they would be having dialogue with each other about things. You don't see that anymore. Everybody's just they're either agreeing on everything or they don't agree on everything and they're ready to kill each other. And mm-hmm. it's 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 terrible. It's it's terrible to see that. And I I don't I don't like that. You know how hard it is to have a conversation with somebody? I mean, I can't tell you the last time I think it's been probably two to three months since I've had an actual conversation with somebody apart from all of you, of course. But I mean, an actual conversation in person with another person. It's been a very long time and it's very difficult because when you sit down and you start talking about real things, real issues, people just don't want to hear it. And it's not, I heard this today. Let me get your thought on this. It's not that the people that are watching the mainstream media, it's not that they're how was it put because it was it was really well put. It's not that they're a victim; they're just living their life. Mm-hmm. They're not even aware that there is anything going on. So we look at that as somebody that's uninformed and 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 you know whatever. But they feel as though that if you introduce any new idea to them that's going to shatter their reality or what they think is their reality that they've created for themselves or that's been created for them, they believe that anything involving that is extreme and it's a conspiracy theory. Yes. How do you take the first step? I guess is what I'm asking. The way you see things, how, how do you take the first step?
1: Well, I I think that if a deep and meaningful conversation and a, an exchange of ideas that Gets you pondering and considering things from another angle is your objective, then you are limited, you're confined to a very small group of people that you can have that kind of dialogue with. I think, though, that if you are gently trying to introduce an idea to someone, that you have to start with a very small idea. You can't overwhelm them, you cannot educate, you can't give them 20, 30, 50 years of knowledge in a five-minute conversation or even five days. It has to be just gingerly given to them a little cookie on a plate and see if they like that. One thing that Alan used to always say is that you simply cannot help people who have not started asking the right questions. And what he meant by right is there has to be some thought behind that that they've given to the big Picture to the overarching ideas that it can't just be well, what's this inflation about, or you know, in other words, reacting to whatever the event is at the at the time. Now, there's one thing, unfortunately, because of the Fox News Dominion trial that is behind the departure of Tucker Carlson and all of that. I can't just do a little search right now and pull up a lawsuit that happened. Um, Oh, probably 15 years ago, at least a dozen years ago that Alan used to mention regularly. And Fox News was also involved in that. But right now, this Dominion trial is dominating. But what happened was there were two journalists who were working for Fox, and they prepared a piece. They did all of their due diligence and their fact checking. And Fox said, we're not running it. And the journalists said, but... We've done our homework. This is true. This is a true story, and it deserves to be reported. And they it ended up going to court, and Fox prevailed. And the ruling was news media has no obligation to report truth. That's it in a nutshell. And I think that little things like that, if you have some little thing like that for people to ponder, that's one example if we're talking about the news. Um, the judge wasn't saying that, you know, media outlets have the right to lie to you all the time. And we certainly know that that goes on, too. But right there in a court ruling, they don't have to tell you they don't have to break a story just because it's true.
2: And to be fair, the founders seen it that way as well. They they did not believe that news agencies were required to tell the truth because who decides whether it's true or false that mm-hmm. was their position is uh, you know if the government is the one that's supposed to be the body to say okay this is true or false they th- that's going to be exploited and they're going to say whatever's beneficial to the current regime uh, is truth and whatever is you know um damaging to the current regime is a lie and mm-hmm. they would be the ones that would enact judgment and and uh, retribution uh, so that's that's part of the reason we have the First Amendment to open it up and allow people to look for themselves. But as both of you are pointing out, that's the entire problem. People aren't asking the questions uh, uh, and, and digging in further to find out whether or not this uh, article is true or false or what what's the hidden narrative going on with like, for example, Ukraine. What's the real motive there? Um, and you, you mentioned inflation. Is there an uh, ulterior motive to inflation? What what is inflation really? They're not asking those kind of questions that inflation Mm -hmm. is really just taxation, uh, a different form of taxation on you. They're not asking those kind of questions. It's all reactionary, like you said.
0: Mm hmm. You know, I had talked to somebody last night, somebody I'd known for almost 30 years sent me a, uh, a text message. I haven't talked in, I don't know, maybe six months to a year or something like that. A friend of mine back in the States, he asked me, he says, you know, hey, what are you up to these days? And I told him, you know, I said, I'm doing a lot of you know research and I was looking into a lot of history and, and things like that. And he says, boy, I really wish I had time to do that. And I said, "Well, what do you do?" He says, "Well, you know, I'm, I'm catching up on all my favorite series on TV and, and Netflix and everything else, and I said, "But you don't have time to do the things you say you want to do." So is it a choice? Mm-hmm. When I see that, when, when I look at that, I see a choice. You've made a choice. You know, I'm not Absolutely. one to judge. I'm not one to judge. If that's what you want to do, you go ahead. But I, I guess I see more self-development and I see more individuality in one uh, in one choice, as opposed to, I guess, anesthetizing yourself. <laughs> to, um, to reality. I mean, that's, that's kind of what, um, the entertainment world has turned into, uh, is that is you're just, you're switching off and I get it. People are at their wits end with everything. They don't want to concern themselves with everything. It's, it's too stressful. As a matter of fact, I played the clip again, referencing Alan, where he said that psychological studies, they show that if you're hit with three or four crises at the same time, you shut down. You, you just mm-hmm. shut down. There's no way possible that you will want to fight back at that point on anything. You won't want to look into anything. You won't want to uh, mm-hmm. to become informed on something because that will further your depression. You know, it, it'll make it worse because you'll be confronted with the reality of the situation. So it's easier to just turn off and not pay attention to it.
1: It is. And I think, I mean, part of it, too, we've had such tremendous psychological warfare done on us over generations that um, we, you know, trust the expert. Someone else is there to solve this problem. And that's what scientific socialism is all about. Experts are going to tell us what to do. And just um, the idea that little old me might actually have some ability to affect an outcome is laughable, you know, and to most people it is. It's like, well, what? what can we do? What, you know, so there's that. Also, just it crossed my mind when we were talking about the news and how controlled it is. This was something that Alan would also point out, the uh, Walter Cronkite. What he would say is that we are given these anchors and these uh, news talking heads, these people that we come to trust, whatever side we're on, whatever our ideology is, there's someone there for us to follow. And now, what did, I can't remember now how long Tucker was at Fox, but something like 30 years,
0: um, a long time. Was he there? Was he there that long?
1: Well, may, you, maybe not that. I mean, he For wasn't there at, with his own show that long, uh, oh, I but see. I think okay. he was a contributor
0: I see. Okay. before
1: he had his own show. So he starts off, you know, as a contributor and then he gets a little bit of a following and, a, you know, before you know it. And then he is a go-to guy for people of the more so-called conservative bent. Well, the CBS anchorman, Walter Cronkite, had the moniker Most Trusted Man in America. And he retired in 1981. And then you got Dan Rather at that same network. But Dan Rather was there for what probably... 30 years, 25 years before he retired. I
0: think think he was just a few years ago. He was up. He was still there as like a contributor, kind of like Tom Brokaw. They still bring Mm -hmm. him back from time to time.
1: And so you have these 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 faces, these names that, you know, Alan would say they're like. Dad or granddad, you trust them because you've seen them for so long. And that's why they keep them there, not because they're, I mean, and let's face it, an anchor. How much time does he spend actually doing journalism and the research? He, he's just there reporting what his producers and his writers give him to talk about. But in 1999, so he's already retired now for what, 18 years? 1999, Cronkite accepted the Norman Cousins Global Governance Award at a ceremony at the United Nations. And if you haven't seen this speech, it's up on YouTube. It is really worth watching. Because he declared his support and allegiance to a one-world government. He was angry with the U.S. Congress for their refusal to ratify various world-governance-type treaties. And he railed at the religious right because he felt that they were one of the they were a body of people who were most adamantly against a world governance type thing. So, I mean, this is it's it's in our faces, the allegiance that the media have. And then if you think about just because I'm focused on the media right now. Embedded journalists. So what do we know? You know, how long have they been embedded that we've known about at least since the first Gulf War? So if you've got embedded journalists, what what do you actually know for sure?
0: I think to your point about embedded journalists, I think that goes back further than that much further than that. I think that goes back to uh, the end of the Second World War is where that starts, at least to a, a major extent. Uh, Into the, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, into places like the New York Times and places like this, these outlets such as uh, the New York Times, I believe, is is guilty of this. Uh, the Washington Post, USA Today, you know, that's, you know, Gannett and, and all the rest of them. These organizations, uh, we were actually the Financial Times. Did I say Wall Street Journal? Uh, whatever. These top mm-hmm. publications in America, we were actually looking at this. Has it been, Bruce, it's been almost four years ago we were looking at this. And these companies that I'm sitting here naming off, among many others, these are just the top companies. These are these are papers and publications that people read or have historically read. Uh, The New York Times, not so much. I mean, they're actually selling floors in their building to keep the lights on because their subscriptions are almost non-existent. But (laughs) these organizations... They are mostly owned by ad revenue from places like the Chinese Communist Party. They take out ads, major ads, and they keep these these institutions, and these publications afloat. And so mm-hmm. if you've got companies and, and people with that type of an ideology that are your biggest investors, what kind of a talking point do you think your American readers are going to get?
1: That's right. Yeah. It even goes down to the visuals, like the, the toppling of the statue, if you recall that, um, in Iraq. Uh, the the staged quality of that or even that famous photograph of raising the flag on Iwo Jima uh, you know they they captured the the mountaintop they put up a small flag but then they wanted to have that iconic photograph the the photographer and the news crew got in there with a giant flag and then reenacted raising the flag so there's just so much of reality that's staged That's crafted to give an impact.
0: That's just how they like it, because they have to convince us at the end of the day. You talked about Kennedy, uh, Tucker interviewing uh, Bobby Kennedy. What are your thoughts on Robert F. Kennedy Jr. uh, running for for president? I mean, I I was... at least from what I know of the man, I was a I was a, a fan. It was before my time, but um, I was a fan of some of the domestic policies, not so much the international ones, but the domestic policies that Kennedy was was on track for. And I I firmly believe that. Um, I, I'm not going to get into like the whole conspiracy theory thing here, you know, the Kennedy assassination. But I firmly believe that it was a planned assassination on him, and I believe it was the same thing with his brother, Robert F. Kennedy's father. Uh, now here's <laughs> a guy who. Is seems to be at least, and and I believe that the you know they're gonna they're painting him as some type of a moderate from the Democrat side, and they're they're gonna take away a lot of the votes, uh, and they're going to bring some people back in that have left because of this monstrosity that this current administration is. But what, what do you think about him running? I I mean, I think that the guy has to be at least somewhat of awake if, if he's cognizant of the fact that people, you know, I, 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 like I said, I'm not going to get into any, um, you know, conspiracy theories here, but people that uh, want a certain agenda that don't get their way, that uh, his father and his uncle had a mission in their own way of trying to shut it down. Uh, now, I'm aware of the executive orders that uh, Kennedy signed before he was executed, and I firmly believe that there was some of that involvement.
1: Well, I, I was thinking about this recently, um, and I actually wrote a little bit about this in a piece that I put up a couple of weeks ago, and it was called God's Play with People and Kill Them. That's what I wrote, <laughs> because we we tend to look at these people, uh, whether it be an Elon Musk type character or a banker that they call America's banker, Jamie Dimon or whatever, uh, a billionaire, blue collar billionaire, like a Trump. I mean, we we look at them as gods and indeed they are in a class distinct from us. And with the Kennedys, we're looking at a, a lineage. We're looking at uh, almost what you would call American royalty. And I recall that during the administration well I w- I wasn't you know there but I was rec- reading about the administration of JFK they called it Camelot uh, from King Arthur legend um, a utopic place an ideal place that never existed that never will but that's what they called the so-called reign of JFK and and Jackie Kennedy it was it was Camelot it was Utopia so, I don't know. I mean, we hear after the fact that, yes, he did these executive orders. Yes, he was going after the CIA. Yeah, he um, he wanted to put the CIA out of business. But isn't it kind of funny that during his administration, more military advisors were sent into South Vietnam and at that time, what you, the operation in Vietnam that you're looking at is really well, it was an intelligence run, more or less intelligence slash Pentagon run operation. I don't know. I, I am I cynical? I might be. Same thing with RFK and his so-called attack on the mafia. You know, when he was doing this, he was very cavalier about illegal wiretapping. And that was, as I said in the piece that I wrote, a slippery slope. So if you put your your little mission, your vendetta against the mafia, and that has more weight than the right of Americans to privacy, then what, what are your principles, really? The what little thing that I found out about RFK Jr. that really struck me having to do with almost nothing except the godlike stature of these people is that since his boyhood he's been a a keeper of birds of prey. he trains hawks, and that's the sport of nobility. So from the message that it gives me about who he thinks he is, it's just something to put you know over there on you know list a, who is he? The other thing that I find interesting about him is that he spent 30 years as a an attorney for the um what's it called National Resources Defense Council. And this their whole mission was to, you know, safeguard the earth, protect the earth, fight against climate change, clean energy, the health of our food, our oceans, the water. I, and and that might sound good, you know, fighting pollution on the one hand, but when you put the words climate change in there, this was his career. This was this man's career. He is a huge, greeny, sustainability, environmentalist guy. And I have no quibbles with what he seems to have done speaking out against Vaccine injuries, uh, making a connection between um, autism and vaccination, the, being a producer on Vaxed, which was an important film that exposed a lot. The, he wrote a thousand page book. I, I haven't read it, but um, on the real Anthony Fauci. And so my cynical mind says, well, my goodness, isn't this a huge commitment to capture one very large segment of the American electorate
0: and, it's right and on make time. them
1: think the right on time. And, you know, my cynical mind says, well, yeah, Tucker Carlson spent an awful lot of time promoting just the kinds of things talking to RFK Jr., And all of the people who we're now going to see circling around and promoting him and having big, huge Mm -hmm. dinners to raise money for this campaign, they're right in there to show us that this man's got our back. And... He was has been lambasted by most Democrats because there seems to have been a line of demarcation between, you know, the, the mask was the sign of compliance for a lot on the left and not wearing a mask was a sign of defiance for a lot of people on the right. And he has really raised the ire of people who, you know want to call him a quack and but and then he's come out and said yes he he thinks that the idea that jfk was assassinated by a lone gunman is ridiculous and what happened to his father so what i'm saying is that he is playing to an audience of the so-called conspiracy theorists but in actual fact the so-called conspiracy theorists are especially around the assassination of his uncle are over, well over 50% of the American populace. So this is, a cynical mind says this is very calculated. And Hollywood greenies and all of the Washington deep state greenies, they're going to forgive this man for his anti-vax posture because he's got sustainable credibility. He's got 30 years of fighting to protect the environment and fighting against climate change.
0: So I actually didn't know that about him. I, I didn't know the, uh, the the foundation that you're talking about, uh, the whole climate change thing. Now, I know that he's talked about the environment. That's part of his campaign platform. But I didn't know to what extent I haven't heard him say the words climate change yet, or maybe I've just missed it. He but, will. Oh, I'm sure I'm <laughs> sure that he will. Yes. If he's running on the Democrat ticket, I'm sure that he will because he can't otherwise. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think that will be uh, to your point there about all of the Hollywood greenies and everything else. Yeah, they will jump onto that. I believe that they will. Mm-hmm. And I like I said, I believe that this is uh, also another pitch from the Democrats or even even a way for them to ticket him up with somebody else, you know, just to get a few policies through uh, or if he can carry the green agenda and then they'll they'll push the uh, the vaccine stuff off to the side. But if they'll ticket him up with somebody else, that's somewhat of a moderate that they can bring in that they can recover some of their lost voter base from
1: mm-hmm. and I I mean i've I've made my position clear to your audience that I you know I don't vote I don't advocate voting I am I, apolitical it's a, a con it's a game i it's the punch and Judy show to keep us occupied um you know someone's going to uh, You know, this next administration, they'll come in, they'll drain the, they'll swamp, they'll clean it up. But it is still interesting nonetheless to see how it's played because, like I say, I don't follow it very closely, but his throwing himself in the ring can do several things. It can bring a lot of the conservative body, it can split the vote in the conservative camp because the conservatives are going to say, well, I forgive him. His climate change position, because he has been firmly on my side throughout this whole COVID operation. So you know, there's there's a lot of ways in which. But further, he's that that name Kennedy still has a lot of cachet. It's you know, it's as close to American nobility a, a line that goes all the way back to the late 50s as as we've had.
0: Yeah. And I, I firmly believe that that's when it changed, to be fair. I mean, that's just my opinion. I, I believe that the assassination of his uncle, I believe that's when it changed. That's when America, That that's when we changed course. Do you, do you remember the the advert that I played of John F. Kennedy and his great national effort that never went through?
1: Yes, yes, yeah.
0: We were actually going to be set on a track to be able to continue and ensure our family values and our family structure. And that never happened. Instead, he was assassinated and we ended up with a great society under LBJ and the family unit got destroyed. That's when it started. Now, I'm not saying that it that it doesn't go back further than that, but I'm saying that's when it went kinetic. That's when the actual Mm -hmm. destruction of the family started. So, I mean, you can go back and you can argue, you know, the 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 women's emancipation movement with the Rockefeller Foundation. I'm not disputing that. Um, Mm -hmm. But this is when it actually got traction. And that's when the rubber started to meet the road, in my opinion.
1: I I think that's possible. I always look at uh, a cause that is higher than politics and administrations. But I think that politics and administrations is very important in the way the long term agenda is presented to the public. And so you do see Incredible evidence of what is going on right there when you look at it. You know, administration to administration, what are they promoting? Your it may not be coming from the po- politicians, but higher than them. But what you are seeing is ah, that's where we are right now. This is what we're supposed to either be for or against. This is this is how far we've degraded as a as a nation, as a as a people. Oh, and one thing that's interesting you you talk about the uh, Kennedy and his promotion of family values isn't it ironic don't you think his connection to Marilyn Monroe
0: There is that yes He was
1: a he was a little bit of a married playboy promoting family values but again at the very least the idea of Camelot and physically fit young people and f- intact families um, was given a voice during his time.
2: Bruce, you want to weigh in on Kennedy there? Uh, well, uh, the, I I just think about the program that he was, um, promoting, uh, when it came to physical fitness, I have kind of been uh, a proponent of, uh, the phrase that a healthy mind begins with a healthy body. I kind of, you know, I believe that basic principle. And looking at the statistics of today and saying 77% of our population between the ages of 17 and 24 are incapable of joining the military, which means they're not physically fit um, or they have some kind of mental ha- handicap, be it, you know, uh, depression they have to take meds for or, you know, something like that. And I'm not saying that we needed that program to have more people in our military. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that um, this would have been beneficial to us. Uh, no, whatever whatever their goals were, I, I don't know what the government's goals were in, in the sense of uh, that program or what the Kennedy's goals were for that program, um, whether or not they were intending to have a, a functioning military for, you know, some kind of other nefarious plot or if it was genuine, you know, keeping together the family structure, whatever the case, it still would have been beneficial to us in the long run. But
1: absolutely.
2: To to the the whole Kennedy thing, you know, I'm 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 torn on this one because he's so anti-vax right now mm-hmm. that I can at least okay. Politicians are tools to be used. That that that's my opinion of, of that. Right, and I'm, I'm I'm it's possible that his narrative about the vaccine stuff is something that can be used to uh, pass uh, protections and, and, and at the state level to keep from mandates ever happening again or, you know, so I think he's, it's something that can be used both by the left and the right to do something genuinely good. But I, as far as what his motives are or what his, this is all a political game. Uh, I'm saying um, we can take elements of this political game and just use his narrative to push forward Um, um, communication about this, talking about this, getting people to, I mean, it'll be in the forefront of people's thinking uh, because it's something that's, actively being pushed by media or, you know, they're, they're going to be mocking him for this or whatever. And it, it opens a door for you to communicate with people that they might be on board with that idea. And then you can present data information and whatnot and change minds of people in your circles potentially. Um, so I, I think this is definitely something that can be used, but I think he's, he's another one of the apparatchik. I think he's part of the whole, uh, political theater.
0: I like the term you use there, apparatus. <laughs> We've been using that term, hoping that people will catch on. That's a uh, yeah. that's a communist bureaucrat from the Soviet Union, by the way. If you didn't know. Yeah. No, I I, I hear you, and I I like the uh, the quote that and you've brought it up before that Alan used to say, if voting made a difference, it would be illegal. So I I mm-hmm. agree, especially after this last time. Honestly, we're sitting here, and and I'm guilty of it myself, saying that hey, you know, they'll probably just take votes away from the middle of the aisle, or you know, rope in some of the conservatives. They have a system in place that they can't lose with already. And nothing has changed in the last two election cycles. Mm-hmm. So why are we sitting here even talking it's true. about, it's you know, true. rather, is it going to take this or is he going to yeah. pull these people away? You know, like I said, I'm guilty of it myself, but now we're- <laughs> It's true. We're in, if you want to, yeah. Yeah, go on, go on, go ahead. If you
1: want to think about the last US election, if you want to think about the the whole farce of this and what we know, it's- it is, it's simply ridiculous to talk about it, even as talking about theater. You know, I mean, what are we, theater critics? You know, <laughs> it's I, I just the, the whole system is broken. Voting won't do anything. I i just learned something. This was ancient news, but I only learned it yesterday about, you know, someone was saying why America would never again have a free and fair election. And they were talking about the states that you would have to win, let's just say, as a Republican. In other words, what we're seeing here is, I think, the message that we are supposed to be absorbing is you don't have free and fair elections. And I heard that um, Georgia Governor Kemp's daughter's boyfriend was killed in a traffic accident back in 2020. But the way that I heard it was that his car exploded. And it not only exploded, but the engine shot out 70 feet from it. Now, there's a lot of coverage that Kemp is saying, oh, all these conspiracy theories have to stop. Um, One of the Department of justice there in, in the state who was investigating the accident committed suicide during the investigation of the accident. And this also came, became part of an elaborate conspiracy theory. And Kemp was saying, you know, no one is trying to sway my vote. Nobody killed my daughter's boyfriend. This has got to stop. This is hurtful and harmful. But there is no doubt in my mind That in the theater called politics, people are routinely bribed, they are strong-armed, they are threatened, and yes, members of their family are harmed if they don't play theater the way theater is designed to be played at any given time. And so that's uh, these realities, little things that you you make of it what you will. Does a traffic accident make an engine fly seventy feet out of a vehicle and explode? Yeah, it
0: happens all the time. Happens all the time.
1: <laughs> oh, I mean, that's, okay. that's a
0: common thing. <laughs> happens all the time. I've got some audio around here somewhere. I'm sorry. I was just looking to see if I had it on tap, and I do not. Uh, but we actually covered this under the election of, uh, I believe it was 2020, of that election. Uh-huh. Or maybe it was, it could have, uh, yeah, it was, it was the 2020 election.
1: Yeah, see, I, I just missed it that. Was, that it just went.
0: No, no, this, is, this wasn't Kemp. This was his secretary oh. of state, uh, Raffensberger. Ah. in georgia and it was recording of him on a conference call thanking the chinese communist party handlers in mandarin for the use of mail-in ballots to help him get re-elected <laughs> you couldn't make this stuff up so yeah he wants all the conspiracy theories to stop well then stop all of the dots being connected you know just stop all that it's like yeah. the um The guy that arranged—I don't don't know if he was a lawyer or not, but he arranged the Epstein visits to the White House under Clinton, like seven of them, and he Uh was found on a ranch tied to a tree with an electrical cord around his neck and a shotgun blast to the chest, and there was no shotgun found, and it was ruled a suicide.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So, and they they say, well, stop with the conspiracy theories. Okay, well then— Stop showing us stuff like that.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, see, I what I think, uh, my theory, my working theory on all of these kinds of stories, you, you remember Yuri Besmanov? Yes. And he talked about the stages of, you know, a communist infiltration and demoralization was what, the second stage, um, I think?
0: Demoralization was the first one. Destabilization was, the, was the second one.
1: Yeah. Okay, so demoralization- I think around the electoral process, I think is what they have been giving us for about the last 12 years or so that we are supposed to get the message, you know, give up. This is so corrupt. This, you know, this is you, you can watch the as we did. I remember Alan and I watching in real time, the votes flipping. You remember how they did that?
0: Yes. Yes. On I
1: the screen. They, yep. they, they flipped yep. and you could see it in real time.
0: Yeah, I was can't, watching it.
1: I mean, I know that you can do these deep fakes where uh, the video can be faked pretty much in, in real time. So, you know, what What are we looking at? What are we seeing? But demoralization, I think, is what they're after here.
0: Yes, they 100%. I,
1: you know, I've, I've been apolitical my whole life. I've never gotten into politics. But I think that for people who believe that this is real, who believe that their vote counts or can count— this has got to be a horrifying thing to see here. This level of corruption, this level of it's just evil. There's no other way to say it if you if you are a person who votes and thinks that your vote counts, what are you left to think is happening here? I and completely you're just shut down. Go.
0: Yeah, it is a process of demoralization. I I agree. And that's that is precisely what they do as in like the infiltration the, the part of the demoralization is to make you give up so you turn on your own system because they want you to accept a new system. So in order yeah. for you to accept a new system, you have to reject the old one because it wasn't good enough. It was corrupt. And you know, you know dear old Klaus and those people at the World Economic Forum, you know they're going to give you a better system, right? You know, Bill Gates of is going course. to give you a better system. Absolutely. Yeah. You know the the yeah. Federal Reserve Bank is going to give you a better system. You know the Communist Party of China is going to give you a better system. You know they're they're going to give you something better than that, right?
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: Part of this demoralization. By the way, this is breaking. Uh, the First Republic Bank, uh, their share price has plunged fifty percent in the last hour, and mm-hmm. they've lost more than a hundred billion in customer deposits. So we are on track for that central bank digital currency uh, hostage taking scenario that you laid out. Mm just thought you'd like to know Um,
1: that's interesting (laughs) yeah i well yeah that i mean we were discussing that before uh in the sound check uh, that congress would not just be so happy to say yes to this but we were discussing the idea that all they need is the event that says oh well you're right we'll do this and it isn't just congress voting on it but the people will say well yeah we we can't go on like this They'll
0: yeah. demand it. Yeah. Well, I I, I believe, and I, I've said the last time you're on, I said that it'll have to be something where they'll come out and they'll, and when I say they, I mean like Janet Yellen or somebody, you know, Marty calls her the Betty White of central banking. <laughs> he says that, so <laughs> she's 75 if she's a day. What's she even doing there? Go be with your grandkids. Yeah. <laughs> But they will send her out and she'll say, look, this is what we have to do if we want to save this and you won't get all of your money. You'll get two thirds of it or 50 percent of it. Oh, and by the way, this thing about your pension, your your 401k. Yeah, you're going to lose that unless we do this. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be one of those things where it's going Mm -hmm. to be just like the jab. We're not forcing you take it or you're going to lose it. You're going to lose your job that you've worked so hard for that you provide to your family with. So we're not forcing you. We're not mandating that you do it. But if you don't, then you're going to lose your job. And it's going to be the same Mm -hmm. with this. It'll be the same Mm play.
1: And this, you know, and and fortunately, I mean, I I was on about this last week. I'm still kind of on about it in my head. But the if we can get past as individuals if we can get past the idea that there is a savior that's going to ride in with a white hat on his white horse and fix this and make it all better because what what you see at the top earlier i called this you know public private but the, the fascists at the top is that they all think in universe in, in, in what's that word i'm looking for uniformity there is uniformity of Unison. That's it. See, I had to talk myself to the word. They come to the same prescription at the same time. And um, Elon Musk really popped into my head a lot last week because he's been saying for years now, at least going back to 2017, and this would have been predicated on the dominance of AI, which he now says, oh, it's not such a good idea or maybe it's not such a good idea, or maybe we need to put the brakes on it. But he's been saying for half a dozen years, we will have to have a universal basic income. This is inevitable because jobs will be lost to AI. And I think his particular so-called anti-AI stance right now is because he is positioned in much the same way that they give us anybody else like an RFK Jr., he's being positioned to champion certain things. One of them is free speech on Twitter. One of them is going to be at the right time when, if, when they're ready for it. It will be a universal basic income. And this will happen on the heels of a major financial meltdown, inflation that's triple digit. <laughs> but yeah. and another yeah. thing that I, I, I saw that... Musk had tweeted recently that the one good thing to come out of all this and all this that he was talking about was, you know, COVID, the COVID operation, was the rapid advancement of the mRNA vaccine technology. And this is wonderful. It's going to be used to cure cancer, et cetera, et cetera. And immediately, half a dozen news outlets pick up on this tweet and grab a story that says, you know, did Musk just do a 180? Did he just radically change his position on the mRNA vaccines? Because I don't follow what Musk says, but evidently he throughout this has been critical of the vaccinations on one level or another. So I looked into it and discovered, I mean, it wasn't like my great find or anything, but I found that Tesla bought a German company th- that does this cure vax. and this was in 2020. Tesla was going to build these little what they called, micro plants for manufacturing mRNA vaccinations. So here's Musk.
0: His company was going to do this. Owning
1: a comp. What?
0: His company was going to do this.
1: He his company did it.
0: Oh wow! Tesla
1: bought Tesla bought this German company. Tesla owner, co-owning this, went to uh, R&D on a vaccination, CureVax. You you can look it up because I'm I'm not sure if CureVax is the German company or Uh if that was just the, I, I think CureVax is the German company. And then they had an mRNA vaccine that they were rushing to market with. So Tesla owns this in 2020, and then in 2021, share prices tanked because the early trials of the vaccine showed that it didn't have good efficacy. Yeah. But as far as I know, I don't find any trail there that Musk slash Tesla have sold this company. And now he's, you know, doing the floating it out there. To say, oh, well, this was a really good thing, mRNA technology. And everybody is pretending like this fact doesn't exist, that Tesla doesn't own this company, that he hasn't been in bed with this technology from the get-go. And he's just shifting his opinion now because he sees the good of this. What this tells me... Because, you know, Musk is just the savior now, you know, everybody wants to know what Musk says and what's Musk going to do and how Musk is going to ensure our free speech. This is a a relatively small group of multi-billionaires at the top. And they all think alike. They they all they all think alike, and they're all they head us all in the same direction.
0: Bruce, you were uh, you were kind of uh, looking on there. Were you aware of the, mm. that
2: he had acquired that company? Because I had not heard that. So the company's the, the company is CureVac. Uh, that's the company's name, and they did create a MRI uh, based vaccine uh, that was a COVID nineteen candidate. To the point about Musk, I knew Musk was pro-vaccine, but he has been against the mandate. That that's the the it's just it, it's slightly nuanced in that he thought the mRNA techs good, but he's against forcing people to take it. Um, and he did supposedly he did he's himself, been jabbed himself.
0: Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say he he did himself take it, and I I do recall now that you mentioned it, I do recall he was for it in the beginning, but when they started doing the mandate thing, that's when he kind of yeah. Said, "Uh, wait a minute. You know, we we shouldn't force that on anybody. You know, we should encourage that people well, take it, but we shouldn't force it.
1: Mm-hmm. So he took it, and he didn't have any adverse reactions to saline, huh?
0: I don't think so. No, it's it's very difficult <laughs> to get a uh, to get a, a, a reaction from saline, but uh, yeah." I've been kind of on the fence about Musk. I mean, I look, I understand that he wants to do the whole entrepreneurial thing and and be the free market guy and whatever. Okay, I I, I get what he's doing, and I I like the fact that he's doing the whole ventures into space and all that stuff. I mean, that look, the government's not going to do it, so you know, let him do his thing. If he wants to do that, fine. You know, if, if we're going to advance that way, fine. I don't agree with these electric car things that he's doing. Uh, I think that's just a, a waste. You know, that, that's backwards. That's not a way we need to go. I don't agree with him in, on, on his climate change stuff. I think that's just crackpot nonsense. These are just talking points that have been given to us by people that want us dependent on their systems and not us and not allow us to explore our own energy independence. So I'm not, you know, I'm not somebody that's going to buy into that. I don't like the um, oh, well. It goes. It goes to the point. I don't like the uh, the solar panels and you know the wind farms. He, he seems to think that the solar panel stuff is is the the energy of the future, and it's just not. He even said himself on Joe Rogan's podcast that solar panels are literally at their end, as in we can't make them any more efficient than what they already are because we're restricted by the amount of collection we actually get from the sun. So, mm-hmm. barring some type of new discovery in some type of new material there's no way that those panels will ever advance any further we will never make them more efficient than what they are now and as it is we cannot recycle them so therefore that does more damage to the environment than actually oh, I, using them. So
1: And talk about something else that you can't re- recycle is uh, w- the windmills that they use.
0: No, I mean, no, we throw them all in a, in, a, in a landfill. It's just terrible. We were actually looking at a study from a university. I can't remember which one it was, but they're actually promoting uh, of a, um, it was like a, um, it was a resequencing where they would turn these things into edible products. Where you could actually <laughs> eat it. I'm not joking. I, I'm not joking. That sounds crazy, but they were actually working on something to turn them into like you know snack foods, like gummy bears and uh, and things like that. And it's just like that's just a, mm-hmm. that's awful. That's absolutely yeah. awful. I, had,
1: I mean, do you remember when the 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 Chinese they discovered that what was it like melamine type product that was in the baby food? the baby formula no it was a it was a it was a plastic this was probably about a decade ago or uh-huh but yeah there was the the china let me just see if you type in chinese baby food
0: i don't think i would be buying any food products out of china if i could avoid well, it i mean i i certainly wouldn't i mean it's just
1: no it's, you know but i can tell you something if you have the luxury not to that is really wonderful um, i've never
0: seen a food product but, from china Apart from Oh, the, my
1: goodness. Well, go live in Canada for a while.
0: Is it that, the is shelves it that are, way up there? You're kidding
1: Oh, me. the shelves are full of food from China. including. Wow. And here's the thing. Here's what they did in, in Canada. They just decimated the fisheries business. The local pe- people who were in Nova Scotia who had l- made their livelihood on fishing for generations. Uh-uh. No. But the Chinese fish those waters. Of course they do. And you, if you go into a grocery store in Canada and you look at the, um, the fish that's frozen there, uh, if it's pa- it, in a package that says where it's from, you will be looking at fish from China. Wow. There will be no other source for fish. None.
0: Wow. That's, yeah. that's unbelievable. I. I have yeah. not seen a food product from China other than obviously I haven't been to Canada, not since any of this has you know, gone on this COVID stuff. I mean, I've been there many times before, but mm-hmm. um, I've not seen a food product from China outside of, you know, like the specialty Asian stores that you go to where they actually bring the products in.
1: No, uh, I from mean, there. I saw it more and more during the years that I was there, but uh, astonishing the Types of food, but you know, in particular, frozen fish was all from China. It was called the 2008 Chinese milk scandal, and it involved, y- they San don't get their milk. Lu's-
0: they don't get their milk from China, it, it, do they?
1: It, it was milk, but it was infant formula. Yeah, the infant formula oh, went that. all over the world.
0: Did you know? And that it Bill contained Gates? M- melamine. Wow! Huh? Did you know that that Bill Gates and uh, I believe what's the guy's name? Bezos, Jeff Bezos uh, from Amazon. I believe those two, but especially Bill Gates. Did you know that they're uh, they're working on a product called milk M I L Q milk. <laughs> And it's a plant-based. I'm not making this up. It's a plant-based lab-grown milk that is supposed to replace infant formula.
1: Well, they're they're going to need it because you know here in here in Texas, a uh, week before last, there was a dairy farm that uh, what you'd call a mid-size, not a large agribusiness farm and there was an explosion Eighteen thousand cows exploded and what they told us it was it was methane gas explosion uh-huh. there were just too many cow-
0: uh-huh uh-huh yeah because that happens all so the time so it's
1: they're they're bad yeah, exactly you get wherever two or more cows are gathered you're in, <laughs> in danger of a
0: giant explosion how stupid do they think we are pretty stupid pretty stupid i i guess yeah
2: yeah. Yeah, we used to have cattle. That was never a risk. Never um, seen a dairy that. farmer down the <laughs> never road. Never seen that happen. He never had that problem. Yeah. No. Never.
1: You, you know, you're not supposed to believe your lying eyes. You know, they don't want people who have actually experienced dairy yeah. cattle in their neighborhood.
2: Yeah, exactly. I'll
0: give you I'll give you a choice, uh, Melissa. I'll give actually, you know what, because we haven't podcasted all week, I'll actually show you both. I'll start with your point there. Uh, I'll start with your uh, your point on uh, you're not supposed to believe your eyes. Okay. I would Mm -hmm. like for you to take a look at this product. This is a new product that's out. You're familiar with the movie They Live. You're familiar with? Oh, yeah with yes. uh, Roddy Piper and yeah you know, it's a classic yes. it's a classic you know you yeah. put the glasses on and you see all the you know the the all yeah. the messages and you see the uh, the alien people and everything right <laughs> well think about that in reverse okay this is a new product that is out uh, you don't need to worry about any any sound or anything you just you just have to see it here but this is a product these are glasses you put on and it blacks out <laughs> all the screens so your phone screen, TV screens, any kind of screen that has a um, a frequency that's output on it, a video output on it, uh, just the way that it a al- lot you know you can see the way that uh, it aligns, uh-huh. it blacks out all of the screens. What do you think of that?
1: Oh wow, uh, that's amazing. That is really amazing.
0: I mean, obviously yeah. there's a clip from the you know the actual movie, uh-huh. but uh, if you put these glasses on, then everything is, uh, it's in reverse. So it will black out. You know, if you're walking down the street and you, you see these uh, video billboards and everything, you won't see them. You'll just see a well, black screen. Uh, that
1: This is, um, I, I don't usually get behind gimmicks and gadgets, but that's a pair of sunglasses I would buy. I don't need that pollution of whatever they're putting on the screen aimed at me.
0: No, I thought that was really interesting. I, I thought that was That's a funny. I mean
2: you you talk about unplugging somebody, that would be one way to do it.
1: Absolutely.
2: That's actually going to be the next position I take is why are they making glasses like this? What what's the intent? Yeah, it's cool. I mean, it, it, for someone that like I get tired of ads being on everything everywhere. So I, I you know, I I would love to have but at the same time, what's the real motive? I'm I'm a bit skeptical. Uh, let's just say. I'm 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 a bit of a skeptic of what what are, what are they really intending Does to Do the company this for?
1: have any kind of a statement about
0: Um not that I know of. This is uh, uh let me see if I can actually get the uh the the glasses the name of the glasses themselves. Uh these are IRL IRL glasses in real life glasses uh, GI Gadgets is the the thing. I don't know if that's the publication that's doing the report or if that is the company that's making them.
1: Huh. Well, that'll be interesting. But yeah, you're right, Bruce. What is, what's the real reason?
2: So it's possible it, this originally started as a Kickstarter and it's made by, uh, what was it? Ivan, uh, Ivan Cash. Ironic Ivan name. Ivan Cash? Yeah. Ironic name. Ivan Cash. <laughs>
0: How about I need some cash? Yeah. Yeah. I need a cash. Yeah. Last thing to go with the theme of demoralization that you were talking about earlier. Uh-huh. it is clear what we need to do in order to close this gap right this I, again this is a little this is a funny part right so I mean we have to have a little bit of humor during all this don't we the person that's in the foxhole that doesn't have a sense of humor is the first one's going to get killed right so we've got to have a sense of humor absolutely this is a sitting member of Congress talking to our transportation head you know what's his name mayor Pete pothole Pete saying that it is historic what they're about to embark on to help curb the inequity in auto accidents. You were talking about an auto accident earlier. <laughs> maybe, maybe this will help to make important investments to uh, address the roadway safety crisis,
1: including the critical funding that would accelerate the development. And this is an area I've, I've written to you about of the use of female uh, dummies in crash testing. This will start to fight the gender inequity among vehicle safety and crash victims.
0: So you see, in order to close that gap of gender inequity and auto accidents, we need female crash test dummies when we develop these tests.
1: Well, what what the listeners aren't going to know is that the woman who is promoting this in Congress here, it, she's got purple hair.
2: <laughs> and she looks like she's been up there for a minute. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Yeah. Actually, the last time uh, we kind of talked about this, she's actually 78 years old.
1: Oh, my goodness. <laughs>
2: and she has purple hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, like a dozen rings that you can actually hear in the audio clacking together. There's nothing massive.
1: like being age appropriate. Eh?
2: Mm. <laughs> no,
0: no, nothing like it at all. And I, I I, think when I see this, I think that I think to that. Um, I don't know if she's a senator or if she's a House member. The uh, the woman, uh, it's either a rep or a senator from uh, from Florida, Frederica uh, Wilson or something. You know, the woman that wears the uh, the sequence cowboy hat. Have you seen her? <laughs>
1: No, yeah. I haven't seen You've her. You've
0: never seen her? Oh my goodness. No. She's she all is all no cattle. She is all hat no cattle, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to see if I can find a uh, a photo of her, but that's uh okay. that's quite something. Hang on just a second. That's her.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: Oh yeah. This is an actual representative that we have in Congress.
1: I'm now understanding what they mean when they say that politics is a clown show. <laughs>
0: It is. It's an actual clown <laughs> it's show. An it's,
1: actual, it's an actual clown show when you look at these people.
0: We've gone over a little bit here, but that's okay. Uh, we'll spend the last couple of minutes here. Uh, would you like to tell people about what you've been working on on your website?
1: Well, I think I might have earlier. I just mentioned the one piece that w- the, that was a not sure piece, which is a name I like to use from the movie Idiocracy, and I think that's really where we are now. Um, and that's Kind of it, I've got the redux that goes up each Sunday, and those are talks of Alan Watt. Sometimes they're excerpts. Um, sometimes it's just Alan, sometimes it'll be a piece of an interview that he did with someone else, or I may have a comment if there's a I feel a need to say something around it. And then on Wednesday, we have got the third installment of a new excerpt series, which is programmed people. And that goes up each Wednesday. I try to get it up in the morning, but sometimes it hits the afternoon. And then on Thursday every week, I'm now doing Real History with
0: Melissa. And that Um, is your podcast. That is what I encourage people to subscribe to on Spotify. I believe it's on Spotify still. And you're on all the other platforms now, correct?
1: It's on all the other platforms. And, you know, I do a little video version, too, that they can always find on BitChute. I've just started a rumble channel. I haven't announced that yet, but I'm going to start to post up there because I I mentioned to you that that our talk from last month got pulled off of YouTube.
0: And yeah, we're all sorry. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't even post this one up there. You know, you can't you cannot talk about. Operation COVID at all and expect that it's going to stay on YouTube if you're an unauthorized voice.
2: So that's right. Even the, even the transgender right. stuff that we've yeah, new, t- talk about t- touched that on. Oh, well, that that's either.
1: for sure. That's for sure. Incredibly politically incorrect. Yeah. And not very woke of us.
0: Not at all. Not at all. How dare you? I need Greta Thunberg. How dare you? <laughs> so anyway, Melissa, so it's been.
1: That's it. Thank you. Thanks for having me
0: back. Oh, it's our pleasure. It's our pleasure. We're, we're happy to have you back uh, in two weeks. We'll see you again in two weeks. Yes?
1: Yes. Yes. Fantastic.
0: That is Melissa from cuttingthroughthematrix.com. I encourage all of our listeners to get over there and take a look at the treasure trove of information that they have and where they maintain the life collected works of the late great Alan Watt, who has been influential in helping me understand things more than anybody else uh, when I first started to uh, to look into things. It's been an eye-opening experience the last 15 years of my life. I would like to thank you both for being here today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Melissa, we'll see you in two weeks. Bruce, I will see you in two days when we sit down with Marty to round out the end of the week. And I believe that this will be the week that we will start telling people about all the research that we've been doing. So we will do that in two days and it should be quite interesting. I want to thank you both for being here this evening. Thank you to all of the listeners. God bless everyone. Have a great evening and we will see you on Friday.